Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for that lovely warm welcome here in Peterborough. And a big welcome too to you guys who are joining us in Leicester, in London, online, in Cafe Church. So good to be with you. And welcome to all of you to part three of this fantastic series looking at the, the subject of whatever we do. Let, let me remind you of our, our key scripture, Colossians. How many of you enjoyed that, that intro from the, the media team? Nick, can we give them a round of applause? Isn't that amazing? So good to have such a, every, every week I hear that, it just stirs me afresh. And here's that, that key scripture. Paul says this, he says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here's the goal we want with our lives to make Jesus known. How many of you agree? That's got to be a great goal. We want to make Jesus known. Where are we to do that? Well, as Paul says, in whatever you do. I don't know about you, but I've, in, I've really enjoyed these first two weeks of the series. You remember two weeks ago, we had Andrew telling us the whole Bible in 35 minutes. That's going some. Do you remember that? Work is good. Work is hard. Work is finished. Work is worship. And work will be glorious. And then last week, we had uh, David Robertson bringing a kind of Scottish flavor to this series. Remember his dartboard? Do you remember that? That God has got a plan for everyone's life. And the main purpose is, if you like, the dartboard has got two things, to know God. Do you know, today, the primary thing for which God made you is to know Him, but then out of that, for you to make Him known. And within that dartboard of God's plan for your life, He's got a specific place for you. Now, what I want to do today, kind of with a, a background of that sense of why we do whatever we do, I want to home in this week and then we'll be doing it next week, right into the kind of nitty-gritty Monday through Sunday, taking that sense of, of how do we make Jesus known right into whatever you do during your weekday and also on your weekend. Now, I want you just for a moment to imagine you can take the kind of, if you imagine a big circle that's got in it whatever you do, and within that there are spheres of different elements of your life. And we're going to think about how can we make Jesus known in those different spheres of life. So for me, I have a number of spheres. I, I'm a, I have my family and friends. I'm a dad. And I know you can't believe it, but I'm also a granddad with a gorgeous... I know it's impossible to believe, but it's true. Um, a second sphere for me would be living in a beautiful little town where I rub shoulders with people. And I want to make Jesus known in my everyday life. And my third sphere will be kind of a, a combination of work and church. Uh, for those of you not aware, my main work is a pastor. Now, I was slightly kind of undermined by a nine-year-old a couple of weeks ago who's actually in our church in Cambridge. And she said, what's your job? I said, well, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm actually your pastor. She said, and then she kind of pulled this face that only a nine-year-old can do. But she said, yeah, but what do you do? What, what's your actual job? <clears throat> So for those of you unsure about it, my actual job is I am currently a church pastor, but with a background of 20 years in secondary school where I actually had a real proper job. <laughs> now, you, you will have different spheres of life in yours, but what I want you to do today is to think about those spheres, different times today, and think, how can I make Jesus known through how I do my normal everyday life? What we're going to do today is we're going to look at one of my heroes, a guy called Daniel from the Old Testament. 
And he's a, a fantastic illustration of how we can make God known through our lives. Now, I believe you're going you're to be encouraged and strengthened by today's message. Here is a man who lived nearly two and a half thousand years ago, but he was able to make God known as a God follower in a very anti-God society. How many of you can relate to that? A sense it's quite challenging sometimes to be a Christian. But also be encouraged. Here's a man who, as a refugee, managed to rise really from being a slave to becoming the second most powerful person in the whole nation. What we're going to look at today is four ways in which you and I can make, if you like, a stand. Different ways of standing to make God known. But what I want you to hear from this is, is not just a challenge, but an encouragement. That if Daniel, two and a half thousand years ago, before the cross, before the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the earth, if he could stand in those ways, how much more can you and I, with Jesus living on the inside of us and the power of God available to us, also be able to stand today? So here we go, four ways. Number one, if we are to make Jesus known in our everyday lives, number one, let's stand with those who are around us. Stand with those around you. Now, when I say stand with, what I mean is that if we're going to make Jesus known in the spheres of our life, then we want people around us to know that we are for them, not against them. That we're with them, and in many ways, we're on their side. Not that we necessarily approve of everything they do or they stand for, but we're for them, and we want to see them succeed. We want to see them prosper. Do you know, when you look at the life of Daniel, it would have been very easy for him to stand aloof from the society he found himself in. A little bit of background. Daniel was, a, was born in Israel, a God follower. The land of Israel is overrun by the Babylonian army. They desecrate the temple. And Daniel is one of the exiles who's taken from Israel and is now placed in Babylon. And with a mandate from the Babylonians to say, come and serve us Come and make us prosper. Now, how many of you think he could easily have had a, well, I'm just going to isolate myself, be with the kind of the rest of the, the, the Israeli exiles, and we'll just do our own little thing? But not Daniel. When you look through his life, and we're going to look at the first, we're going to look at a few snapshots in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. What you see here is a man who seems to have caught a heart that says, whatever gifts God has given me, I want to use them for the blessing of the place where God has put me for now. Now, I, I believe Daniel would certainly have heard a, a prophecy that the prophet Jeremiah gave to the exiles. And kind of catch this as a, a mandate, I believe, to us. So this is Jeremiah speaking, God speaking through Jeremiah to the exiles. He says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here we go. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. In other words, get an allotment. And then this is the phrase, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. What an amazing phrase. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've taken you. Now, what a fantastic mandate for us to say, God hasn't just placed us in the cities we're in, but we want to be known. You know, too often the church and Christians have been known just for what they're against, 
what it is they're not for. Wouldn't it be amazing and isn't it great to be part of a people who are getting known in cities for what they're for? To be a people who've come to bless. To be a people who say, God has placed us here to do good. That we're out to use the gifts God has given us, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of this city. And I'm sure you'd agree, whatever city you're in today, Leicester, London, here in Peterborough, in Cambridge, wherever you are, that you want to say, let us be known as a people who are here for the peace and prosperity of this city. I'll never forget five years ago when we as a church, we were 25 years, years old. And we had Gillian Beasley was here as part of our celebration. And she, she was at that time the chief exec of the city council. As part of the evening, she said this about Kingsgate. She said, you have shown your love for the people of Peterborough through the generosity of your contributions. She was talking there about the specific things we'd given. Then she said this wonderful phrase, long may this church survive and thrive in this city. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I agree. Great to have a reputation. I want to say Kingsgate. That kind of reputation is not built by a one-off event. It's built off by the consistency of people like you and me at the individual level, the group level, saying we're not here just for ourselves. God has placed us here to be a blessing to this city and region. Now, I, I am blown away by how many of you in life groups and individually, you, you take time to bless people. Um, one of our, our life groups in Cambridge, in St. Neots, they have a real heart for where they are. And they wanted to bless the people who are in there, kind of living near them. They said, well, there are a number of people here who have never seen the sea. So what we'll do is we'll get a coach party together and we'll just take them out on a Saturday. We'll go over to Hunstanton and we'll spend a day out there building sandcastles and enjoying God's good creation. Got some amazing feedback, including on their, their community Facebook page. So this is what one person from their, their town wrote. They said, thank you so much for yesterday to the team and to everyone who's involved. We had a lovely day. Then she writes, I'd like to ask you, please, in block capital letters, open up a church in our time, town. We would all love to join you. And that's not from a Christian, okay? That's, these are people who are seeking to bless I want to say to us, Kings, isn't it great to be part of a church with that reputation? But every time we get into a blessing season, whatever city you're in, can I encourage you, let's get involved and let's let our cities know we are here to seek the peace and prosperity of our cities. Number two, as well as wanting to be people who stand with those who are around us, second, how else do we make God known? By standing out with excellence. By standing out with excellence. Or as Paul says in Colossians 3.23, he puts it this way. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So when we come back to Daniel, one of the most outstanding things about him was that he, he stood out. He, even as a young man, as a student, he stood out amongst his peers. He then gets raised up into a position of leadership in the nation. Uh, and imagine this, he, he's in a, a position of incredible scrutiny at the highest level of leadership in the land. And as often happens, as he rose up, his peers become jealous of his success. And so they decide to do an investigation to try and find out, has he got any skeletons in his cupboard? Has he made any mistakes? What is this guy like? And we read, I think, this extraordinary testimony about him. It said, this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. 
and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and satraps, that's just other leaders and officials, sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. How many think that's nearly a miracle? (laughs) Imagine that. Well, that's what the Bible is saying can happen for you and me when we seek to position ourselves for excellence in the things that God has called us to. Now, I think Dorothy Sayers, some of you will have heard of Dorothy Sayers. She's a Christian 20th century novel writer. She wrote a a fairly influential essay about the kind of things Daniel was doing and saying, particularly in our workplace, if we want to represent Jesus, if we want to make him known, then we ought to pursue excellence. And she, she writes this. This is her advice to a carpenter. She says, make good tables. What use is all that spiritual piety if in the very center of his life and occupation he is insulting God with bad carpentry? And she turns really to talk about Jesus. She says, No crooked tables or ill-fitting drawers ever, I dare swear, came out of the carpenter's shop at Nazareth. Nor, if they did, could anyone believe that they were made by the same hand that made heaven and earth. What I urge then is a thorough revolution in our whole attitude to work that man, and I'd add women, A made in God's image should make things as God made them for the sake of doing well a thing that is well worth doing. Challenging words, would you agree? I don't think for many of us that's our normal kind of way of operating in life, that whatever we do, we seek to do it with excellence. Now, I want to make something clear here. I believe it, particularly when it comes to work, but it can apply in other areas, there are, and to, to steal an illustration from, from Dave, there are two ditches we can get caught in. One is laziness. How many of you would agree we don't display what God is like by being lazy? You know, never, never, nothing to do with what God's like. But actually, there's another ditch, and I call it perfectionism. We can actually set ourselves to say, we're going to get so perfect that then people will see what God is like. Now, only God is perfect. And to set perfection as a ditch, as a goal, actually ends up burning ourselves out. You are not designed to do that. The highway down the middle is to pursue excellence. Now, let let me give you a definition. Doing the best you can with the gifts God has given you in the time you have for his glory. You know, when I read Daniel, I'm intimidated sometimes by a man with extraordinary gifts. But that's not what excellence is about. Excellence is about you and I doing the best we can with the gifts God has given us in the time we have for his glory. Now, how do you agree that's a little bit more attainable? That's something that we can pursue. Now, I want to tell you about someone I see doing this pretty much every week. I, I don't know what you do on a Sunday for lunch uh, Zia and I, my wife and I, we dine out Sunday lunch uh, in A1 Extra on the, the A1, funnily enough. How many of you been to A1 Extra? So you, you'll know the place. And we dine out on a la Mackey And we're, kind of, we, we're very grateful for McDonald's on a Sunday. But in there, almost every week we go, we've noticed this guy who's in A1 Extra. And it's like nothing is too much trouble for him. 
As you watch him, he's there cleaning tables. He's there sweeping the floor. He, he goes to people who are on their own just to have a quick chat with them without being intrusive. He smiles. He even whistles and sings while he's doing what he's doing. Do you know, as I watch that guy, I think there is a man pursuing excellence and displaying something of the glory of God right here, right in the midst of everyday life. And here's the thing. He's a Kingsgate guy. We didn't realize. And his name is Chris. So Chris, if you're out there, thank you for what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Displaying the glory of God by seeking to be excellent in the things that we do. Now, I believe this is a great challenge for all of us. I find, personally, I can sometimes I can get into that ditch of perfectionism. Actually working harder than God has designed me to work. And at other times, I can get into the ditch of, I can't be bothered, this is just too much, that pretty poor effort will do. And the challenge, I think, probably for all of us is to think, is there one area where you could think out of today, God, help me, because this is not just go and try harder, it's God is excellent, now go and reflect Him. God, is there some area of my life when out of today, I can go and day by day, by His grace, learn to reflect who he is by the way I live. Let, let me challenge you. Are you using the gifts God has given you for his glory in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood? Let's be a people who say, God, help me represent who you are by the way I live. So two things then. We make God known when we stand with the people in our spheres, when we stand out through excellence, and then third, when we stand up for what matters most. Let, let me read you a little um, not-true story. Uh, it's a policeman's story. Here we go. A young police cadet was taking his final exam for the police academy, and he was confronted with this question. You are on patrol in the outer city when a, an explosion occurs in a gas main in a nearby street. On investigation, you find that a large hole has been blown in the footpath, and there's an overturned van nearby. Inside the van, there is a strong smell of alcohol. Both occupants, a man and a woman, are injured. You recognize the woman as the wife of your chief of police who is presently away in America. A passing, this is fictional, okay? A passing motorist stops to offer you assistance and you realize that he is a man who is wanted for armed robbery. Suddenly, a man runs out of a nearby house shouting that his wife is expecting a baby and the shock of the explosion has made the birth imminent. Another man is crying for help having been blown into the adjacent canal by the explosion, and he can't swim. Describe in a few words what actions you would take. <clears throat> the young man thought for a moment, picked up his pen and wrote, I would take off my uniform and mingle with the crowd. <laughs> I think that's probably the wisest response, don't you? <clears throat> but I wonder if you've ever felt like that fictional trainee policeman, that actually life out there is quite hard. There's a lot of challenges, there's a lot of demands. Being standing up for Jesus actually requires some courage and some conviction. And there are times when it would be actually easier to merge, to take off my uniform, if you will, as a kingdom ambassador, and become like the people around us. Now, I want you to, to hear this. I'm not pretending this is easy, but if we're to make Jesus known, there must be things where we actually stand up for and we say, this far and no further. So when you look at the life of Daniel, 
He was actually known by the people around. If you look, look at kings who worked with him, they describe him, even as his role as a high politician, say, you are known as a servant of the living God. I love that. They knew him. That was his designation. I love R.S. Wallace, who's a commentator on the book of Daniel, he says this. He says, they, and that's Daniel and his, his friends, they remain inner strangers to the life and culture in which they are outwardly fully involved. They never sacrifice their inner conviction that they belong body and soul to a kingdom other than that of Babylon. Do you know, there must be within us a conviction that you and I, yes, we're here to be a blessing. Yes, we want to use the gifts God has given us. But we also, we belong ultimately to a different kingdom. And you know, that was a resolve that Daniel made right from being a young man. I, I love this. Here he is, probably a 19-year-old, taken out from his home, put into a position of training, and it says this, Daniel 1.8, Daniel resolved, say resolved, such an important word, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. I don't have time now, but if you track through Daniel in those first six chapters, and also with his friends, you will see a number of situations that are defining points in their life, where they basically say, thus far and no further. Um, to coin a phrase, they've got red lines. <laughs> and they're not going to cross those red lines. And they're very clear about where they are. Now, what is, what is a resolution when it says Daniel resolved? It's an inner conviction to choose behavior before you get into the crisis situation. You know, if you and I, if we just say we're going to go with the flow, certainly, so, so for me, I, I was a secondary school teacher for 20 years. Um, and those of you who worked in schools will know they're glorious places to work and they're challenging places to work, especially in the staff room. And I knew that I had to set an inner resolve, some inner convictions before I got in that staff room because quite frankly, I didn't trust myself not to go with the flow of what everybody else was doing. An inner resolve, it's a choice that says beforehand there are certain things that I will not do. Um, now, how, how do you decide what they are? Well, in some ways, it's easy. Have a look at the Bible. The Bible gives us a whole bunch of things where we can say, here are some red lines. I mean, within that, that context of Colossians, the chapter we're looking at, Paul writes this. He says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. How, how many of you think if we all did that in our spheres, our work spheres, our neighborhoods, we'd actually stick out a bit? There'll be something different about us because we're representing what Jesus is like. When I was teaching, I had at least three areas where I'd made an inner resolution to, to seek to represent Jesus. And the first one was actually my overall approach to work. Uh, I, I have some experience of the pressure of teaching. But I made a decision right from the first week I started teaching to always have a Sabbath. And that Sabbath, no matter how, even if Ofsted were on the horizon, even if everything else seemed to be going on, I was going to have a day off. Because I was determined that if God needed a rest, so did I. <laughs> Second thing I was determined to do was to make sure that my words gave life and not death. Now, I want to tell you, I didn't succeed every time. And I would often go into the staff room and steal myself to say, I'm going to honor my bosses. 
I'm going to speak well of other people. I'm not going to slaughter the person who's just walked out of the staff room. And if I can't think of anything good to say, I'm going to shut up. And if I can't handle that, I'm going to get out of here. It was an inner resolution to do that. I wanted to be known as someone who spoke well. And then the third area for me was my relationship with the opposite sex. I, I made a decision. In fact, when I started teaching, I was a single man, to say I will never be on my own in private with a member of the opposite sex. Now, I want to tell you, people got upset about that when they had to drive themselves somewhere or when it was like, this is really awkward. Like, it is. But it's an inner resolution. I'm not changing it. Um, what I want to say to you, I don't want to pretend that I succeeded every time. I didn't. I'm sure there are times when I just went with the flow. But there are times when you stand out like that, you are representing something of who Jesus is. Let me ask you today, and maybe it's something you need to go away and ask God for. Where are the red lines? Where are the areas in your workplaces and etc. where you need to draw them or maybe redraw them? It's gone very quiet. Number three, so that's three areas we can stand. Let's stand with people, let's stand out, and let's stand up. And then fourth, stand in the gap for those who are in need. What do I mean by stand in the gap? What I mean is, how many of you agree that you and I, we have the privilege, if we're Christ followers, of standing between a good God who's full of love, who's full of kindness, and a needy world? And you and I, we stand in the gap between that good God and needy people. And we can be those who, all the way through every area in which we live, we can be those who stand in the gap and be people of prayer. I love this famous quotation on prayer. says this, He who kneels before God can stand before any man. I love that. He who kneels before God can stand before any man. Do you know, that could be a description of Daniel's life. Let me show you how committed he was to a life of prayer. Many of you will know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. The context for that was Daniel's peers set up the king to produce a law that says, just for 30 days, if anybody's seen praying to a god other than the king, they're to be put in the lion's den. And that's not for a cuddle, okay, that's in order to be eaten. Now, imagine that, someone makes that decree in the UK, if you get caught praying, then you're going to become lion food. This is Daniel's response. When Daniel, I love this, this is amazing. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, that's been me, I don't have hidden, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, <laughs> giving thanks to God just as he had done before. What a response! In other words, this is something I've always done. This is something I have to do. And even at the threat of being thrown before lions, I'd rather pray. It's more important to me to spend time in prayer. And I love that picture of Daniel. He's, he's walking up the stairs three times a day to his upper room. And look at that description. It says, he, the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Do you know that's what prayer is? Prayer is climbing to a higher place. It's opening the windows of our life towards our heavenly home. I'm pretty sure that every time Daniel looked out of there, he was saying, my feet might be in Babylon, but my heart is in Jerusalem. Every time that's what you're doing when you're praying, you're saying, my arms are open to you, Father, and my feet might be in this place, but oh God, my heart is there. I long for that place. I don't know about you, but when I was teaching, I needed that. 
I needed to go into my workplace being reminded again and again and again that I am not defined by my work. I'm not measured by the output. Primarily, I'm identified as a son of the king. And I needed that time to get alone and be with God and lift up my arms to him and say, God, let's go again. But Daniel does more than that. He says that he prayed. In other words, he stood between the needs of humanity and a good God and he prayed. I'm pretty sure that when you look at the blessing that came on Babylon, that some of that was due to Daniel's praying, standing between earth and heaven. My wife, Zia, who's actually a much more fruitful kingdom ambassador than myself, she, she also was a teacher, same time as me. And um, she's got lots of stories of answers to prayer in the workplace. Uh, one of them that stands out for me was how she, was, she had this um, young man who was um, on one end of being very irritating because he was very gifted, but he never did his homework. And when I say never, I mean never. Couldn't cajole him, you couldn't threaten him. Anyway, one day out of frustration, Gazia was standing in the gap for this young man and she felt the Lord say to her, his problem is he's not lazy, his problem is he's a perfectionist. He cannot face starting the work. It's too frightening in case he gets it wrong. Next day, she had a, a meeting with him and she told him that and he burst into tears. Basically, he said, nobody's ever understood me before. And in fact, he said, I've never understood myself before. Then she called his parents in and said the same thing to them. The problem with your young man is not primarily he's lazy, it's that he's a perfectionist. Do you know, that was the turning point in that young boy's career at school and I understand as he went on from there. Why? Because someone brought God into the workplace. Someone realized I've got a role here to stand in the gap and to bring the one who knows everything right into these circumstances so that a young man's life can be changed. Let, let me ask you, how are you doing in the whole area of prayer? Do you know, please don't wait for a crisis to start a habit. Daniel prayed not because it was a crisis, but because it was a habit. Maybe not three times a day. Maybe that's too high a bar for most of us. But start now. Make it a habit. Maybe it's five times, five, five times, five minutes in the morning before you head out to work. Maybe it's in your car. But whatever it is, can I encourage you? Have that place. Maybe you need to restart it again. Maybe you need to go to another level. But let's be a people who are standing in the gap for those who are around us. As I, as I start to bring this message to a close, I want to, to show you, we, we've had two stories over the last two weeks. I want to show you the story of one of our young women, a girl called Naomi, who's been part of Kingsgate pretty much all her life. First of all, here in Peterborough, but now in London. Now, as, as you listen to her story, I would ask you to be thinking about, of those four areas, where do you need strength? Where do you need grace in your life? Is it to be able to stand with people around you? Is it to be able to stand out with excellence? Is it to stand up for the things that matter? Or is it to stand in the gap? Where do you need grace? And then I come back and we're going to pray. But first, let's watch this. Hi, I'm Naomi um, and I'm a student studying law with business. Um, and I'm just coming to the end of my placement year, which I've done in London. Um, I wanted to go to university because I loved the subject. Um, I was really interested in it, but also I wanted to go away and learn new things and experience new things and yeah, just see life outside of what I'd always known. I always thought that being a Christian at university meant not drinking to excess, um, always being a nice person, 
uh, being known by everyone. Um, but what I found in my first year and what really became clear to me was it's not about what I'm doing, but it's about why I'm doing it and I guess who I'm doing it for. Um, and I just found that anybody can not drink, anybody can be a nice person, but um, I want to represent what it is that I'm living for. I want to show who Jesus is. I want to show who I'm following. I want to um, show what it is that I really believe is my purpose here. Because I know that Jesus changes everything and he is in my everyday, I know that there will always be, and I'm always looking for opportunities to talk about who he is and how he impacts my life. So when my friends are struggling with revision, I know that there is a peace that Jesus wants to offer them. When they're missing home, I know that there is a love that surpasses any love that they could ever know or understand. And I just really, really genuinely believe that that is there for everyone and that is something that is so important to share and is such good news for anyone in my university world. With representing Jesus being my core purpose, I want to do everything to the best of my ability, whether it's studying, serving at church, organising a corporate event or even just hanging out with my friends. I believe that everything is Jesus' domain and that everything is an opportunity to point people to him. I may not see now the full impact of living my life for Jesus, but I am absolutely convinced that he is using it to make a difference in the lives of those around me. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful testimony? I wonder what words landed for you. For me, it was that phrase, let Jesus be seen in everything I do. Let, let me pray for us. Wherever you are, I'm going to pray for strength to come. I believe God wants to strengthen you today. Why don't you receive right now, by the Holy Spirit, the strength you need. Heavenly Father, I ask you, by the power of your Spirit, would you draw near to each one today? I pray, Father, for strength to stand with those who are around us. Pray, Holy Spirit, you'd fill us with that compassion for those who are in our spheres today. Father, I pray for grace to be those who stand out with excellence. I pray, Father, you'd give us that one thing, that two thing, those areas where you want us to stand out in using the gifts that you've given us. Father, I pray for courage to stand up. I pray particularly for people in the, the workplace, for that boldness to stand up for Jesus and to know where the red lines are. Father, I pray too that you'd draw us to new measures of standing in the gap in prayer for those who are around us. And all for your glory, Lord Jesus. We pray all that in your name. And if you agree with that, say aloud, Amen.